you know anything about me, you know that I love my brother more than anything in the world. AJ Vaynerchuk. AJ, welcome. My why has really changed. When I was in my like early 20s, I just want to make all the fucking money. And then my health deteriorated. Everything looked great on the outside, but shit was bad. I went to the ER four times in 12 months. And now my why is... I'm going to have a hard time coming up with too many original thoughts because my brother brainwashed me. <laughs> One thing I really like, and I talk a lot about with guys when they just think about business and opportunity, would you rather have 100% of something small or 10% of something massive? What's a piece of advice you'd give some aspiring business yeah. person that yeah. just wants to make it? I actually have a take that I think most people would be surprised at. Like, I don't want to come off like an arrogant prick. I'm Adam Brenneman. This, 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 this is... Next up... Said I appreciate you doing this, man. I, I feel like we've been trying to do it yeah. for a while. So yeah. it's funny. I, I, when I hit you up, I was like, "There's no way he's gonna have any time to do it." It worked out, man. Week. I kept, yeah. yeah, like it. You know, today I kept really open. Yeah. I cut everything I built was focused on tomorrow, so I like yeah. kept today open, keeping Saturday open. Tomorrow's gonna be crazy. What what a crazy like week out here right oh, now. It's you the know, best. Like, literally every every. I was so mad because I you know I forget when it was out here last, but I didn't even really know about the waste management open like that and Neither then like, I. when i realized yeah. i was like god damn when's it coming back <laughs> and then the second i knew it was coming back here i was we yeah. we booked we got a suite for you know our staff and our clients and we booked that shit like 11 months ago really like forever ago we were that could have been cheap <laughs> wasn't cheap wasn't cheap but a worthwhile investment yeah yeah uh well give it i think a cool place to start would be give us a behind the scenes of an agent big sports agency like what you do during super bowl week because it's a big week for all the guys even when they're not playing yeah so um you know it's a mix of things for i think a sports agency so it's you know first and foremost our priorities to is a great opportunity to spend time with our clients mm -hmm. um like i said i think we've got about 25 clients in town or so about 20 or so football players and five or six baseball players so just spend time with them um, and then on the flip side, just networking, right? Like you have yeah. all these industries here. And before the sports agency, I was in the ad world dealing with the brand. So yeah. brands are here, athletes are here, and really we're at the intersection of those two things. So it's just about being out there, seeing people, spending quality time. It doesn't have to be, you know, overly formal at an yeah. event like this. And so that's really what it is. It's just yeah. spending time. It's also with the team too, because we've got probably like, you know, Vayner Sports, I think about 45 employees. We probably got like 15 to 20 of them here. You got 45 employees? Now? Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. How fast have you grown? I mean, you, you was it a few years ago you nothing, had? Nothing crazy. Nothing crazy. We um, we started it, I guess, six years ago. It was football only. We're football, mm -hmm. baseball, MMA, and gaming now. Yeah, because so you have Sugar Sean too, right? What's that? You have Sean O'Malley, right? We used to. Oh, gotcha. We actually don't work with Sean yeah. now. Sean, as far as I understand, Sean doesn't have representation Got now. It. He's, doing, he's doing that whole thing. Uh, he's, doing that, he's doing that whole yeah. thing, which happens. It happens in football. Yeah. That happens... I don't think I've seen it too often in baseball, but, you know, football and yeah. MMA, a little bit of that. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, you know, I guess, listen, I'm, I'm thrilled and I'm so excited about our future. I'm a little bit jaded because the first business that I started with my brother, the ad agency, we were, we're six years in now. We have 45 employees. When we were six years in with the ad agency, we had 500 employees. Yeah. 
So I just have a twisted, you know, distorted <laughs> yeah, view we're, of we're, what's we're fast too and, slow. Yeah. and two very different businesses yeah. and, um, yeah, different situations. Take, take me through, you know, you were with your brother yep. building VaynerMedia. Yeah. The transition to, I want to be a sports agent, yep. I want to start VaynerSports, yep. you know, how did, how did that transition go down where you yeah. decided to leave VaynerMedia? Yeah, so VaynerMedia, we started in 09. I was straight out of school. And you, like 20, you were 20, I was 22. Literally 22. Literally yeah. 22. We started VaynerMedia like two months before I graduated. I was literally <laughs> studying for finals and doing client work because we kind of like started selling VaynerMedia because we thought it would take a month or two, yeah. but my brother's a great salesman. We landed yeah, a client or two. So I was, I was doing both. So we started VaynerMedia, I'm 22. Uh-huh. And um, the other piece... Of not only were we running VaynerMedia, but VaynerMedia was really focused on early stage tech, um, social media platforms. Yeah, so yeah. because of that, and because of our ties to Silicon Valley and just knowing some of those entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. we also started investing in early stage tech. So for my 20s, I spent most of it working with brands um, and investing in early stage tech companies. And those two things had me intersect with athletes a lot. And so, um, you know, I grew up a diehard sports fan. I was always fascinated by the intersection of sports and business. Mm -hmm. I was the kid that when I played Madden, 95% of my playing was franchise mode, not the game, right? All the (laughs) trades, the draft, and just playing that and beating that into the ground. So I was always interested in that. Um, And then with the VC stuff, just a lot of athletes were getting into early stage tech and we were yeah. on the same cap tables and my brother did a great job of building a brand and meeting these guys. So I got to meet these guys. And um, the reason why I left VaynerMedia was actually health related. Um, so I, I suffer from something called Crohn's disease, okay. which is a digestive disease, no cure. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all about management. And one of the worst things for Crohn's is stress. Mm-hmm. And I was telling you before, we grew that thing fast. Yeah. And I was, you know, um, when I was 20 four, we had 150 employees working for us. And it was mainly, for the most part, me handling those employees because Gary was traveling, Gary was speaking, writing books, getting yeah. business. He was you were he was it. growing yeah. the revenue. He was really bringing in the revenue and I was yeah. maintaining it. Yeah. I was hiring the people, I was managing the clients. Mm-hmm. So I just dealt with a lot of people. And, you know, 24, I'm the COO with 150 employees. 25, we've got like 250, 275 <laughs> employees. And it got to a point where I was just a stress ball. And I wasn't loving the work. I was loving the team. The finance aspect was was beneficial and lucrative. We were investing in early... And by the way, it wasn't just one job. We were also running a venture capital firm, you know, when I was like 26. So, you know, managing tens of millions of dollars as an investor, running this ad agency, not loving the work. Mm -hmm. And my stress, it was creating this cycle of, I would get stressed and I wouldn't feel well. And I would fall behind on work because of it. And then I would get more stressed because I was falling behind on work. I was just getting sicker and sicker. And I, I actually invest, uh, eventually had uh, intestinal surgery, which put me on the shelf oh. for, I was in the hospital for two weeks, a couple more weeks after that recovering. I was just fucked up. Yeah. And so I told my brother and he was super supportive. Um, and I didn't, I didn't like give my brother two weeks notice. I told him <laughs> like, hey, I'll, I'll spend a year off boarding. We'll hire my replacements. Yeah. We'll, I'll do everything. So we did that. And then my plan when I was leaving was not the sports agency. The only thing that I had planned is that I didn't want to plan. I was the type of kid that always knew what was next. I was always ready. Like I went to Boston University. I got in early admission. So I knew where I was going to school like January of my mm-hmm. senior year. Uh, we started VaynerMedia two months before I graduated college. I was <laughs> always on to the next thing before I was done with the first thing. And when I was leaving Vayner, I had a lot of people in our network that was like, hey, come run this business. I was getting job offer, co-founder offers. And I just said no to everything. No disrespect to them. Yeah. I just wanted to in the first time, you know, I didn't have kids yet. 
Now I've got three. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just like, you know what? I don't want a plan. Uh, my, my plan, my non-plan was to take a sabbatical. Originally, I was going to take a year off. I was like, I'm going to take a year. I got to get my health right. I got to eat right. I got to get like my mind right. Um, and I don't want to rush into the next thing. And the first month was awesome. Walked my dog every day. Like my, my dog was in shape. I was in shape. Uh, I was cooking my own meals. We, it was, and I, I strategically started my sabbatical in May of that year. So it was like nice weather was coming up yeah. in the Northeast. I'm going to golf. I'm going to cook healthy. Like, and the first month was awesome. But then I was like, man, like, I'm like 29. I'm not 50. Yeah. Like I got, I got, I got more to yeah. do and I got a little bored. And so thankfully I had, you know, just from doing personal investments and in our mm-hmm. VC fund, I had a bunch of companies that we had invested in and I would just check in with them. It was perfect. I hadn't, I, w- I was just an investor. Mm-hmm. If they had some shit, not my, yeah. like, it's like being an uncle, yeah. right? Like, <laughs> oh, you, you play, good stuff. yeah, you're there for the good stuff. You play with the yeah. little kid. Oh, they shit their pants. Like, hey, mom, <laughs> diaper. Like, you know what I mean? That's yeah. what it, being an investor, like, an, and we were never a lead investor. So we were, it was perfect. It was no stress, no responsibility, yeah. just adding value and just keeping my mm-hmm. mind stimulated. And uh, one of our investments, not from the fund, but just personal, is we just could, being sports nuts, Gary and I invested in a, in a, a small sports agency. Um, our current business partner, Brian McLaughlin, had about a handful of NFL guys. And it was just fun. We, we wrote a small check into his business. It helped him, you know, get on more planes, try to get more mm. players. And um, I was checking it on his business because I fucking love sports and the intersection mm. of it. And I remember... Maybe like two months into my sabbatical, I got off the phone and my wife, Allie, was like, oh, who was that? And I saw that was Brian. She's like, I feel like you talk to Brian every day. Do you talk to any of your other investments every day? I'm like, no. She's like, doesn't that tell you something? And it just like, she helped me see what I should have saw. And um, I ended up cutting my sabbatical short. I ended up doing four months. I kept the summer. <laughs> I, I was like, I'm, I was like ready to be done. Like July 4th weekend, I knew what I wanted to do. But I'm like, uh-huh. I'm going to at least get to Labor Day. I mean, like, we had, like, friends come in, and, like, we rented a house in Martha's Vineyard. It was dope. Best time of my life. But I was ready to get back into it. Mm-hmm. And so um, Gary and I ended up buying a majority interest in Brian's company, kept them on as a partner, equity partner, uh, and just started building from there. And that was probably, like, six years ago or so. That's awesome, man. Yeah. What, what a, I never heard that full story yeah. explain that. Yeah. That's sweet. You said you were running a venture capital firm too when you, yeah. were, when you were, and then you were doing personal investments. At that so the point. personal investments um, were few and far between. They were only when it made absolutely no sense for the fund. And the Got fund it. was focused on early stage tech. So mm-hmm. investing in a sports agency was completely outside of what made sense. Yeah, those were all like smaller check sizes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Much yeah. smaller checks. And, you know, we, we started with smaller checks and then had success, you know, being early investors in things like Uber, Venmo, and a few yeah. other things that then allowed us to get some institutional capital to, yeah. yeah. We we got an LP and we were writing bigger checks. Got it. So then when you decide, I'm going to start a sports agency. Yeah. You know, like that's a a big undertaking. Like what's the first step? Like, I mean, you got to recruit clients. Yeah. (laughs) So I'll I'll be candid. First and foremost, I was way too um, cocky. Yeah. I was delusional. I was like, man. We'll get everybody. <laughs> yeah, like, like I, I was delusional. And, you know, and I, I'm not, I understand why I was delusional, mm-hmm. right? My only context was I was 22 years old and my older brother and I, with zero days of advertising experience, went in and built the largest independent ad agency in the world. Yeah. So that was my only, like, business experience. So I was really feeling myself. I was like, <laughs> Like, I know what athletes want. I get it. Like, we got this and mm. the venture capital stuff and the marketing. But it, it was much harder than I realized. Um, because the biggest reason why 
is I felt as if, as I reflect back now, it's very much track record business, yeah. right? Think about it in your shoes. Yeah. You have an agent walk in mm-hmm. and I think 99% of kids, one of the first things they're thinking is like, all right, well, what other tight ends have you had? Yeah, exactly. None. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's bad. Yeah. Right. Well, what other guys at Penn State have you had? Or you, Matt, yeah. like none. Yeah. Uh, right. Yeah, so no we didn't have this thriving foundation of clients to work off of as case studies and proof. Um, What first round picks have you had? None, Mm -hmm. right? So we just started from scratch in that regard. Now, Brian, I don't want to discredit Brian. He had a few draft picks, a few good players, but like his guy, like Matt Paradis was one of our clients that Brian, um, and still a client, seeing him tomorrow. Uh, You know, he was Boise State. And then another guy, Walter Powell, was Murray State. And so it was, you know, smaller schools, tough Mm -hmm. to get to and, they were late round picks and Matt went on to have a great career, you know, Super Bowl champ, yeah. got a nice second, a really nice second contract. So, and that helped. So I was definitely delusional about what we were missing. Yeah. And so it just took some time and took some guys to believe in us and, you know, we got it going. And, but, you know, once we started getting some guys and we were able to start doing some work for them and the success that we were having, a lot of it off the field, just given the ad agency and, and our background in that, it's a rich get richer business. Yeah. And so, you know, we were making progress with football, hired some key agents, like um, one of our, our, our COO of the football division, Brandon Parker, when he came and yeah. joined us, he brought over Alan Robinson and Leonard mm-hmm. Williams and a few other guys. And so we were just starting to add guys. And um, and then we ended up merging um, with my business partner, Greg Gensky and his baseball agency. So now we're football and baseball. And he brought over guys like Justin Turner and, and a few others. And so, it, it's a rich get richer business, and we needed to add some pieces and get some guys to build yeah. off of. Is there is there one player that signed with you that, that you feel like turned the point? In? No, there really wasn't. Yeah. Um, it was one of those things where it was like just a series of events. We yeah. kept just get we just kept adding guys and we kept making good moves. And I, I think the thing that I'm most proud of is um, we've really made it clear the type of client we want to work with. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very proud of not just the athlete all our clients are, but the human that they are. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we really do have a high quality of athlete. And so I think just, it, it was one of those, it wasn't one key, si- I wish it was because yeah. it's a better story. Yeah. There wasn't one specific key signing that really mm-hmm. launched us. It was just a series of events. It, take us through the recruiting process okay. as an agent. Yeah. I'm familiar with it of because course. I went through it a little bit, but I don't. I think it's something that fans don't always realize yeah. that really players get recruited again when they're coming out of school, and it starts way yeah. before they graduate. Oh yeah, agents are recruiting. And it's getting guys. earlier now with NIL exactly. and everything. Yeah. So what, what what's that process like when you identify? You know, yeah. You also have an evaluation process. Yeah. You know. So t- take yeah. us through that. It's really not one size fits all. Yeah. It's so so interesting, and I, I always like to reflect on like our draft classes and the guys that we sign as mm-hmm. veterans, and it's always unique and different. Um, I'll talk about myself personally, because even within our agency, other agents have different ideas of what works for them. And for me, I'm a big fan of starting early. Um, I like the idea of building a a longstanding relationship over a long period of time, because I think it gives me more of an opportunity to show the kid and the family who I am as a man and what I'm capable of. So um, this is a long, call it, uh, quote unquote, payoff. Um, And I got a little bit lucky that NIL came to be, but... I'll give you two examples of two clients that I've recruited and led on mm-hmm. that aren't even in the NFL yet, but I've been rocking with them for years. Yeah. Uh, DJ Uyangale, the Oregon yeah. State quarterback, um, who started at Clemson, and then Kyle McCord, who um, is, in my opinion, next in line at yeah. Ohio State at yeah. quarterback. So two quarterbacks. 
I met both those kids when they were juniors in high school. Wow. So DJ is going into his fourth year of college. So I've known DJ for six years. He's not even in the NFL yet. Yeah. <laughs> and then Kyle, I mean, I went, Kyle worked out a little bit easier because he was a, he's a Jersey kid. Mm-hmm. He was in my backyard, maybe an hour and a half away from me. But I went to my first, um, I ended up having lunch with Kyle and his father is going into his junior year. summer. So sophomore, uh, summer between his sophomore and junior year. And then I actually went to a high school football game at Rutgers between his school, St. Joe's, and then I can't remember the team from Maryland, a team from Maryland. But I'm at a Rutgers stadium yeah. <laughs> on a Friday night watching a high school junior quarterback. Yeah. Now he's slinging it. Uh, and he's throwing a Marvin Harrison yeah, Jr. Marvin, yeah. Him and Marvin yeah. played together. So like got to yeah. see Marvin Jr. play. But like, so for me, I'm a big fan of starting early. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's great is like when I was doing that, it made even less sense than it does now. Cause now with NIL, you know, the things that we get to do for these guys is even yeah. at a greater stage. But, you know, to talk more broadly, um, you know, one of the more common ways, and it's a great way is, you know, you represent a player that maybe was in the draft. So I'll give you an example. Um, business partners, Mike McCartney and Jamie Moten, um, they joined us last April, so less than a year ago. Mm-hmm. And when they joined us, they brought over Aiden Hutchinson. Yeah. Um, and so Aiden stud. Um, you know, at the time of us recording this, should find out in the next few hours if he wins the AP yeah. defensive rookie of the uh, yeah. rookie of the year or not. And so he's a stud. And um, in our current draft class now for this upcoming draft in April, we also represent a guy named Mike Morris mm-hmm. who played on the defensive line with Aiden, right? So just a very common and, and very logical way is, hey, you rep a player, they go out and have success through the draft process, through their rookie mm-hmm. year. They enjoy that process. They enjoy the relationship with their agency getting a teammate of theirs is is a great way, yeah. right, to get them. So I think that's a big deep piece of it. Um, I think that um, you meet people just through other aspects of the business, right, through trainers, through financial advisors, through managers. So, you know, warm leads are always best. We get guys cold, but yeah. warm leads are always best. Uh, and then another one that's pretty unique for us that, you know, is, is definitely an advantage is that because my brother does have this massive social media presence, I would say 50 to 75% of, you know, guys that we would want to try to go get have at least some familiarity, if not an affinity for my brother's stuff. So that helps too. Yeah. How much does, do you use him in the recruiting process? Is it kind of, you know. So it's interesting. We used to be really hamstrung. Um, We couldn't rely on him very much because he's not a certified NFLPA agent. And so, you know, before NIL, um, we could only, the rule, I believe, I'm, I'm confident this is true. I should know this. Uh, <laughs> they could meet my brother at our offices in New York. Mm-hmm. And that was the only way. And they have to pay their way to do, that's like when they're in school. Yeah, and they have, yeah. So we would get some meetings that way. That's tough. Yeah. You know, come to New York. Not yeah. Most kids don't want to go to New York. You would mm-hmm. think New York, but like most kids yeah. don't want to go. Um, so that was really tough. But then when an IL came to be, that helped Changes a again. ton. Because we're, we're going after these kids in college, not for the NFL, but to represent them from a marketing perspective, which mm-hmm. is fair game. Yeah. And so my brother is a lot more uh, useful, I guess is the word, mm-hmm. in that regard. And then, you know, it's no secret, these kids can't commit to you for the NFL, but the hope that you have is that if we do great work for them mm-hmm. and we show our professionalism, we build a relationship through the marketing side of their college experience, we hope that they feel good enough about our NFL capabilities and we've built a good enough relationship that we make it an easy decision when yeah. they go pro. Yeah. I feel like a lot of kids would sign with you guys for that marketing NIL side of yeah. it. I also know that 
a lot of a lot of college guys are a little bit delusional about mm -hmm. what their NIL market sure. value is. Yeah. They think they should be making three hundred grand in NIL. Yeah, a thousand percent not. right. How do you balance that? Like, wait, just transparency. Yeah. You're you're a hundred percent right. We walked away from plenty of kids because. I have a hard rule. If you asked any of my uh, partners on the agent side, like what does AJ care about when it comes to signing a kid for NIL? Mm -hmm. It's number one, two, and three is expectations. Because if there's a kid from a small school that doesn't play what I call a fantasy football position, yeah. right? Fantasy football position, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, yeah. pass, catching, yeah. tight end, those are marketable players. Mm -hmm. And then if they're at a big school, that also, you know, right? So like a tight end at Penn State, is a lot more marketable than a left guard at Tulane. Yeah. Just straight up, <laughs> yeah. right? And so um, expectations are everything. And I need to know what the kid expects before I agree to put my energy and my network behind them. Mm -hmm. Because if their expectations are out of whack, I want, I'd rather not work with them. Yeah. I'd rather not sign a kid than get fired. Mm -hmm. And so that's the big piece. And we've yeah. walked away from plenty of kids that, whether they were expectations were right or wrong, I just didn't feel comfortable that we could deliver. I don't like doing something if I can't deliver. Yeah. You know, my mind, when we talk about the agency, it goes to the business side of it. Yeah. And, I, and I'm curious to talk about this quickly, uh, sharing what you're willing, the business model of a sports agency, a lot a lot of times from what I know, it's 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 a long game. Oh yeah. You know, you're, you're, you gotta invest money in training yep. and paying for guys to live before the draft. And then unless they're <laughs> a first round pick, you know, I don't know how all the numbers work out, but you're not, making a huge return until a second contract, right? So That's exactly right. talk us through that a little bit. So first and foremost, speaking candidly, it's a terrible business. <laughs> yeah. It just is. Yeah. Like, That's what I was thinking as I was- It just <laughs> is. Like I'm doing this out of pure passion. Yeah. Like- A lot of easier ways to make money. <laughs> way easier ways. But at the same token, like I'm going to be at the waste management tomorrow, yeah. hanging with 20 of our guys. And like, that's me working. Like yeah. that's, that's the trade-off. So it, it's a bad business um, in that regard. The other thing too is that I would say it's one of those things that has a really high barrier to entry. Mm -hmm. And then, like I said before, it's a rich get richer business. So when you start getting guys that get to second contracts and have success, yeah. it gets easier to sign the next guy, right? Mm -hmm. And so to your point, I, I do think that within the first few years of what we were up to, um, a lot of guys were attracted to the brand marketing, business acumen that comes with the Vaynerchuk name. But I think if you also look, um, if you look at our contract work, like our, our guy, Mike McCartney, um, he's Kirk Cousins' agent. Mm -hmm. I think Kirk's contract work is the best in the business over the last decade, yeah. right? So there's that. You look at contracts like Leonard Williams, Alan Robinson, Foye Luke, and DJ Reed, like we crush the contract side. So I think we're at a place now where it's like, you can't just say, and again, that used to be what it was. And I think that was valid. Now it's like, we've got it all in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. Who, who's... The athlete that you've signed that gave you the toughest battle in the in the recruiting process. Made Ooh, it tough that's for a you. great question. Oh, that's such a good question. A I, no, I want to answer it well. Who made me sweat? Who made me recruit? Who do we got? For me personally, I'm in the middle of one right now. If I if I get the player, that'll be the answer. Yeah. But I don't have them yet. Um, <laughs> I want to answer it really well. Who made me sweat? Who was hard? I'm trying to think of guys that I'm the lead on to. Oh man, I'll give you. I'll give you a separate. A, it's a cousin of your question. Okay. Um, we signed uh, Evan Ingram this past off season. Oh, cool. Um, shortly, yeah, great, yeah, great, so, yeah, great dude. So Evan, he did his one year deal in Jacksonville with his yeah. prior agency. Uh, was unhappy with how that process went and switched to us in like 
May or June. Um, so this isn't the perfect answer, but it's a good one in the sense that, you know, we, we met with Evan, uh, me, Mike, and Jamie, and went through the process with him, multiple calls to send the art thing. And um, he texts us like, hey, I'm gonna give you all a call later. And we were expecting a decision at that mm -hmm. point. We knew we were talking to other agencies and he calls us and he's just like, listen, fellas, man, I really appreciate you guys. Like, I think you guys are good dudes. Um, a lot of what you had to say made a lot of sense to me. You know, I've talked it over my family and, you know, ultimately I decided to go with y'all. And it was like everything he said until he said he was going with us. And we, and we were like, bro, he was la like, he yeah. set us up. Yeah. He, he wanted to make us sweat. That's great. But it wasn't like, he was really, listen, he's a really bright dude. He didn't drag out the process. He was very yeah. transparent what he was looking for. So it's not the perfect answer to your question. Um, hopefully we can sit down again and the guy that I'm referring to will be the answer yeah. to that. The guy I'm referring to is a multi-year process. So we'll see. Yeah. Um, but that, that, one, that one stuck out to me just because of how Evan played us. He tricked us. Yeah, that's with a the big phone song. Call. I didn't know you guys had yeah. Evan. That's sweet. Yeah, he switched that's to sweet. us. Yep. He's free agent now too, because yeah. he did a one year. So yeah. we'll see what happens this off season. That's awesome. Let, yeah. Let's uh transition a little bit to some of the current wave of like athlete investing, yeah. athlete entrepreneurs. Yeah. Um and specifically like how athletes manage money. Sure. How involved are you guys in the process of making sure your athletes don't go broke? Um and why do you think it, it's been you know, such a long-told theme of athletes being bad at managing money. Yeah, so so first off, <clears throat> our involvement is what I would call like surface level. Mm -hmm. um, we don't provide financial services at Vayner. Most agencies don't. I believe it should be church and state. Yeah. And so um, for the most part, we don't have any partnerships with financial advisors or anything like that. So for the most part, when it comes to like the black and white of creating a budget mm -hmm. and things like that, we're not involved. Um but what I will say, and you kind of alluded to it before, I think a lot of folks, when they decide to come with us, um, look at my brother and I and what we've accomplished in business. And I think it's a bit of a self-selecting process in the sense that the type of guys that go with us are the type of guys that are going to do well without us, yeah. right? And, and they gravitate towards like the more interesting side of business and entrepreneurship yeah. rather than some of the stuff that gets kids in trouble financially mm -hmm. or, or personally. And so- um, you know, we have to be really careful because I'm not a registered financial advisor. Yeah. And I have a lot of my guys ask me about like venture capital stuff. Yeah. And I always have to tell them like, listen, first and foremost, if you're on a rookie deal and you weren't like a top 10 pick, like mm -hmm. you shouldn't even be thinking about venture capital. Yeah. It's stupid risky. And, and you just don't have enough money yeah. as a second, third, fourth round pick to be kind of spending that kind of like, we'll revisit your second contract yeah. type thing. Um, so yeah. And then I, I, I guess to go to your question about why guys go broke, it's it's systemic. I think it's um, I think for a lot of guys that make it, they don't have like I'm very 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 lucky, right? Like I have parents that did well, my brother did well. I had these examples for so many guys. The second they sign their rookie contract, they're by far the biggest breadwinner in their family tree, yeah, yeah. right? And so they don't have an older brother that's been there and done that mm -hmm. in most instances, right? And I find that when guys do have an older brother that played or a father that played or an uncle yeah. that played, they are more prepared, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think a lot of it just comes down to the guys that end up making it. Um, a lot of times don't have the the example at home. They don't have the resources. Um, let's call a spade a spade. It's fucking exciting when you make that mm -hmm. kind of money and you're 21. Yeah. And and they should spend some money and have fun and enjoy their life. But, um, you know, they sometimes they go overboard. Um, another thing is I think athletes are targets mm -hmm. um, as are musicians and actors, right? Yeah. 
So if you got, you know, every year we're adding, call it 100 to 150 millionaires in the NFL draft, right? Mm -hmm. And everybody in the country knows how much they make, yeah. what they look like, what they're about, where they live, mm -hmm. where they're from, what team, you know what I mean? Yeah, Whereas their peers that make the same amount of money working in finance or law, nobody gives a shit about a lawyer walking yeah. down the street. They're not approaching that lawyer for a business deal in the sense. Yeah. So I just think it's a tough situation. And then there's like the keeping up the, with the Joneses aspect. Mm -hmm. And um, there's a lot of factors that go into it. Yeah. When it comes to the athlete driven media, yeah. kind of the big trend right now is, is, you know, athletes hosting their own podcasts yeah. and, and um, you know, athletes creating content and and you know trying to build their brand while they're playing. Yeah. Uh, what's kind of your take on that? I'm assuming you guys are kind of yeah. super involved in that. But we it's are. Really, it's really a trend that that I actually have a take seeing. that I think most people would be surprised of. Like, mm -hmm. if you know who my brother is and what we're about, you'll be surprised by this take. We we don't force it down our guys' yeah. throats. Like, I have no interest in working with a guy that doesn't want to create a ton of content, doesn't want to be doing that. Um, I'm not going to force them. I'm not going to mm -hmm. bother them. I don't want them to feel like it's homework. So a lot of our guys aren't active, even though they're at Vayner Sports yeah. and you would think, and we have all the resources. Yeah. Um, on the flip side, we've got guys like Isaac Rochelle with his wife, Allie, and, and yeah. Juwan Johnson and his wife, Janin, mm -hmm. that like, you know, clients of ours and we helped introduce them to TikTok and and kind of inspired them to go. And to their credit, I take, you know, we got to take very little credit in the grand scheme for what they've built outside of introducing them to the concept and giving them some resources. They took, you know, we helped them a tiny, tiny bit. They took it away. Um, but, you know, those, those two, Juwan and Isaac, crushing, crushing yeah. on, on the content side yeah. of stuff. And yeah. so we do have the resources. We're, we're early on this stuff. Um, and so it just depends on the kid. It depends on yeah. the client. It, with Juwan and Isaac too, they hit the jackpot with their wives. Are really for the sure. superstars, right? For sure, for sure. <laughs> but they, but um, it's, I'm pretty confident. And I and Shannon and, and Allie, don't kill me if I'm wrong. I'm pretty sure that both of them were introduced to TikTok, which is their main platform yeah. of where they're winning, via their husbands, via us. Really? Yeah. So it wasn't like you know. Shannon was crushing TikTok and then Juwan got to tag along. Like Juwan, and by the way, Juwan and Shannon in particular, like I remember when Juwan was at Oregon, mm -hmm. um, like he was doing a YouTube series with Shannon yeah. and like, so they're creators mm -hmm. and both and Isaac and Allie too. But I just think we were able to kind of show them TikTok at the right time early and they ran with it. Yeah, Juwan was at Penn State when I was there. So. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, I remember you, Juwan was always sure. a creative dude. Yeah, yeah. Um, he was creating video and I think, that I, I think for Juwan, <clears throat> our media content, my brother's stuff was a huge reason he decided to go with yeah, us yeah. out of school. Yeah, and, and I feel like even maybe for you guys, like early on, that was probably a lot of guys no were making question. that choice because of that. That's what yeah. we needed to do, yeah. right? Because we didn't have the track record yeah. of like, we rep your teammate or we, you know what I yeah. mean? So yeah. we need to rely on the media, the marketing and the ads. Do you like creating content yourself? I don't. Yeah. I'm not. I was just thinking, you don't, you don't do it. I mean, you Very rarely. These, but Here, you're more but, Twitter guy, right? Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. like compared to my brother, like <laughs> yeah, much, yeah. much less. Does your brother ever give you shit? He's like, all the time. start posting But more? from a loving place, yeah. all the time from a loving place because he's like, you're good at it. You should do it. It's important. It'll yeah. help you. It just doesn't come naturally to me. Um, you know, I, I tell myself all the time, like, you got to do more, you got to do better. And then I don't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just, it doesn't come naturally to me. It's not a strength of mine. Um, I kind of like it though, because it also helps illustrate, because telling you a lot of our guys are like, hey man, like I'm not Gary. I'm like, mm -hmm. I'm not asking you to be Gary. I'm not Gary. Yeah. Right. And like, 
Look at my brother's Instagram. Like my brother's posted more on Instagram in the last week than I have probably in the last six months, <laughs> right? And so that's okay. Yeah. As long as you understand by not doing more of it, you're leaving money on the table from a brand. Because a lot of these brands care about what your distribution is, what your reach is. Yeah. And so your production on the field doesn't always matter. Yeah. What What's the best piece of advice you've, you've learned from Gary, from your older brother? I've had that question asked before and I'm pretty sure I've answered it this way before, but it's the truth. It's all about perspective. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think that's something that he taught me that was really important. And then that kind of just naturally fit my way of being is like, I don't get too high or too low. Yeah. I don't let a client firing us or this side of the other thing, get me off the path. Like uh, I read and react and adjust and, it's all about perspective. And if a bad day at the office, like I have a bad, one thing is like I refuse to do is bring a bad day at the office at home, right? Like let's say I have a bad day and I come home and it's like 5.30, 6 o'clock and I get to see my kids. My daughter's five and a half, my son's three and a half, my, my other daughter's two. Chaos. Chaos. <laughs> and, and like, you know, and they hang with mommy all day and yeah. when dad, you know, daddy got it easy. Daddy's gone working all day and he comes home and he's the superstar because he's been gone all day. Second, I, you know, second the garage door opens, the three kids, it's, and it's the best feeling in the world. They explode. They're so pumped. And like, I refuse to bring a bad day to the office to that energy, right? They're like, let's play. Let's do this. Da, da, da. And if I'm just moping around or being an asshole, like yeah. that's not what my kids deserve, right? So I, I think I'm really good at being able to compartmentalize. I have perspective, right? Like bad day of the office, client fires us or mm -hmm. brand headache or this, like my kids are healthy. My family's healthy. Business is still growing. Like, yeah, we lost one client, but we signed three last week. Yeah. Don't forget. So it's just about perspective. It makes yeah. it makes life a lot better when yeah. you have it. You mentioned uh, getting fired by an athlete, which yeah. happens every agent. No doubt. Do you guys ever fire athletes? Like, like do you ever have realize you work with one and it's a bad fit and you got to move Never, on? I don't think I've ever explicitly fired a client, <laughs> but I've definitely have done things in terms of like spoken to a client and addressed an issue directly without concern if they would fire me for it or not, right? <laughs> yeah. So like, you know, if a client is um, problematic, which is very, very rare for us. Again, I talked about it before. Like, it's self-selecting. Like, a problematic client probably doesn't hire us in the first place yeah. kind of thing. Um, but I'm willing to address it. I'm not scared to get fired by any client. Mm -hmm. So I'm willing to address it straight on. And sometimes guys don't react well to that. And that's fine. What, that's what, rare. Yeah. What, what's the advice you give? We talked about the financial advice a little bit. The advice you give athletes as far as when it comes to the brand deals, the marketing deals, on taking large sums of cash versus taking the equity in deals. Depends and, on where you are in your career. Yeah. Um, um, we have a, a guy, he's now retired, Derek Morgan. Mm -hmm. Had a great career, former first-round pick, career as a Titan, edge rusher. And I remember um, there was an opportunity with a company, and it was a... a not quite a startup, call a far along startup. Yeah. And they offered some cash. I was like, D, you've banked like tens of millions of dollars. And it was a small deal. It was like 10 grand. I was like, hey man, like instead of taking the 10 G's, like let's think about equity, right? Mm -hmm. And to his credit, that made sense to him. And, and that made sense for him. Whereas like a kid that's maybe like a fifth round pick and, you know, it's either cash or equity, um, you know, maybe the cash makes more sense because yeah. they don't have pure stability and, and this and the other thing. So I think it depends on where you are in your career. I'm never going to be the one to make that 
choice because, again, I'm not a registered financial yeah. advisor. I like to get the financial advisor involved. Yeah. But everyone wants your opinion on it, right? They want my opinion on it. I just got to be careful. I don't need a lawsuit. I don't need the PA. It's a lawsuit I don't need, I, Yeah, I don't need the PA kicking me out. So I got to be really careful. I, I, I feel bad. I'm like, I get guys that text me like, hey, like, check out this brand. Like, do you think I should invest in it? And like, I'm like, Hey man, you know what I'm about to say. Like, I'm not a registered financial advisor. What I'm about to say is not financial Give advice. Disclaimers. I have the disclaimer because if I get fucking yeah. whacked, I got screenshots, I got receipts, I need them. Yeah. Um, so it really just depends on where you are in your career and it depends yeah. on how much of an appetite they have for risk. I did it very irresponsibly. I was, when I wrote a check into Uber, thank God, when I wrote that check into Uber, I wrote a small $10,000 check into Uber and that was like, 40% of my net worth. <laughs> like it was, it was very irresponsible. I, I probably, I probably had like 25 in the bank and I put what, 10 what into Uber. Was this was 2010. Wow. Yeah. We did some research on the valuation of Uber in 2010. And it was their series. It was their series B. It worked out. I'm glad I did it, but it was irresponsible. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I want to ask you a little bit about NFTs and web three and where yeah. that world's going. You know, we've, Seen the seen the 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 bull market mm -hmm. and and then the crash and now everyone runs away from the word NFTs and sure. brands don't want to associate with it anymore. Yeah. And uh, where do you think that the industry goes? What what how do you how does it get ado adopted by the mainstreams? You're very involved with the Vayner Sports. Yeah, pass. yeah, yeah. yeah. Where I'm I'm super deep. Yeah. You know, my brother started V Friends, one of the biggest projects in the space. Um, I love the charge on Vayner Sports Pass, which mm -hmm. was a complimentary NFT project to mm -hmm. the sports agency. Um, Gary and I spun up another fund and invested in Web3. So I'm very invested and you have to take this with a grain of salt because I have a financial interest in its success, but I'm a believer. Mm -hmm. And I actually think, listen, do I do I wish the bull market ended? No. Um, I mean, money was flying around. Yeah. It was good. <laughs> but I also think that the bear market we're in now has been healthy. It's been a healthy reset. Like some of the stuff that was happening at the very tail end was so unsustainable, was so irresponsible yeah. that... I think this has been a good cleansing of some bad actors and some bad decision-making mm -hmm. from greedy people. Um, and so I'm a big believer in the blockchain as a fundamental technology mm -hmm. that's going to be important. Um, I'm excited to see the blockchain's application in more like boring industries. Yeah. Um, like I think uh, there's, a, there's a politician in the New York area, Santos, who allegedly is like everything about him is not true. Yeah, George like, Santos. Yeah, George yeah, Santos. Yeah, yeah. Thing, right? Like, I, I haven't, yeah. I haven't checked everything. I don't yeah. know, but like it's from true. what I've heard, you lie about everything. Yeah, yeah, from what I heard, like it, I don't think George Santos is even his name. <laughs> yeah. I'm not even yeah. kidding. Like everything's not true. The school yeah. that he went to, his career, everything's wrong. Yeah. And like one of the things was he said he went to. I forget what school he said he went to, but like I'm a believer that. And you know, you hear about people lying on their resume. I think every diploma should be on the blockchain. I went yeah. to Boston University. And I think it should be on a public ledger. And if you want to know where AJ Vaynerchuk went to college, it's right there for you. And it's immutable and it's clear, yeah. right? There's no fudging that, you know, cause when I, you know, when somebody sends in a resume via Word doc, they just say they went to exactly. Dartmouth with a 3.4. No really and I yeah. take, I honestly, I don't think I've ever double checked anybody <laughs> ever, right? Yeah. But if it was just a link to the blockchain, I can go on yeah. Etherscan or what, if it was on Ethereum, like I think that's a real application that matters. I'm a big fan. And I believe that um, most sporting events, I wish sporting events. Now, part of this is selfish because I'm like the type of dude that isn't very good about like keeping stuff. And like, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm the type of dude to lose something that important or a, mem yeah. a memento. But like, you know, I grew up a diehard Jet fan, mm -hmm. like diehard. And I think it would be dope to have on the blockchain every single game that I attended, you know, as a Jet fan, whether home or away. 
And then on top of that, it'd be cool if it could be like a, a dynamic piece of content associated with maybe a highlight from that game, right? Yeah. Like I went to one of my favorite Jet games growing up. Like I went to Foxborough that year that the Patriots should have absolutely won the Super Bowl, the Bart Scott can't mm-hmm. wait post-game conference, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like I went to that game and I like, I don't know where the ticket stub yeah. is. I lost. You have nothing I wish to prove was, you were there. No, yeah. I have nothing to prove that I was <laughs> yeah. there. Uh, even better, uh, my brother and I went to the Monday Night Miracle in 2000. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jets, Dolphins, Jets are down 30 to seven, win that game in overtime. Down 30 to seven, late third quarter, mm. one of the biggest comebacks in NFL history. It's called the Monday Night Miracle. We stayed for the entire game and there was probably less than 5,000 people that were there the whole time. Mm-hmm. But I bet if there's 50,000 Jet fans that say they were at that game, <laughs> and there's nothing to prove them wrong or not, yeah. right? So I think the blockchain, you know, housing deeds, mm-hmm. more boring stuff, events yeah. going, all, all that, yeah, yeah. All that yeah. stuff. Which uh, which blockchain comes out on top? I don't know the answer to that. Right now, it's Ethereum, in my yeah. opinion. Um, but things can change. I'm not I'm not passionate or married to any particular blockchain. I'm just a believer in the blockchain. Yeah. Let's talk NIL. Okay. And how uh, you know you rep guys in NIL. Yep. And so much talk about it. Space I'm super involved in, and and uh, so much good that comes from it. Yeah. Obviously, there's the bad, the the the, the articles sure. you read. What's what's the future of NIL? How does the playing field get evened out a little bit? You know, where do you kind of see the whole industry going? Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, I'm such a big believer that, and yes, there's pros and cons to everything, but I think the pros for NIL so so far outweigh the cons. Mm-hmm. People are talking about like, oh man, like what are these 18 or 19 year olds going to do with all this money? They're going <laughs> to f- up, f- it up at 22. They might as well f- <laughs> up at 18. Frankly, they might be. I actually Quite think it's off. fantastic, <laughs> right? You got a guy. That's a projected first round pick um, that's made a lot of money in college. They got to make some mistakes with a, you know, the number one pick in the draft is going to make like 35 to $40 million guaranteed, right? Mm-hmm. I'd rather them fuck up a million or two before they get 35 <laughs> rather than fuck up all 35 yeah. the second they get it. You know what I mean? So I yeah. think it's actually great that way. So many kids had nothing without being able to make some extra. And like, yes, I know they, listen, I know they get a free degree and, they get a stipend and mm-hmm. all that, but it's still relative to the value that they bring. It's nothing. Yeah. And um, like I know of guys that used to sleep at the facility so that their mom could sleep at their apartment that they're able to afford with their stipend. Like it's so much better in that regard. Um, I also think it's good for the quality of play. Um, I saw the stat today. I want to say there was eighty four. Was eighty four? Yeah, early, early, yeah that yeah, went early yeah. last year. Was a hundred. The year before that, I think it was one hundred and twenty one. We had a guy, Sam Hartman, that we rep for NIL yeah. that was at Wake Forest that I think without NIL goes pro, mm-hmm. but instead decided to go to Notre Dame, yeah. gives him an opportunity to play in a more pro style because the slow mesh at Wake Forest, I think had yeah. some scouts mm-hmm. confused as to what to think of Sam, but now he gets to Notre Dame, gets a little bit more of a pro style offense. And you know, I think he'll make money. At, I, let me phrase, I know he's going to make money at Notre Dame. <laughs> yeah. He's the face of Notre Dame football, ACC all-time passing touchdown leader. And then he just can go to the NFL next year. He'll be more seasoned, more ready. Look at Brock Purdy this year. I think a lot of people talk about all the games that he got to play. Mm -hmm. Do you know how many quarterbacks stayed this year that would have went in other years? Like Bo Nix stayed and and I don't, but a lot of guys stayed and the data's showing it. So I think, you know, NIL has been a great thing. There's some headaches that have come along with it. You know, there's the kid that had his deal with one school explode and he had to get released and all, yeah, Rashada. And so there's some bad stuff. But I think the net net's good. I think, um, you know, this first year, year and a half has been the Wild Wild West. I think more more and more precedent is getting established yeah. and it's going to normalize a bit more. And 
I've been impressed by the universities hiring directors of NIL and the collectives are getting stronger and smarter. And mm -hmm. I'm just very bullish on what it means for what it, the kids are going to be able to get what they deserve for the okay. value they bring to these schools. I always point to um, my NIL. If I meet somebody that's like, NIL is ruining college football and it's bad. Mm -hmm. look, um, look at Dunk City, the Florida Gulf Coast basketball team that made that Cinderella run in the yeah. tournament like six or seven, eight years ago. If you look at Dunk City, Florida Gulf Coast, here's who benefited from the kids' magical run. The head coach got a huge deal to go mm -hmm. be the head coach at USC. Yeah. The university's enrollment exploded because they just kept showing beaches and campus yeah. when no they were making their run. The school's name forever until that. <laughs> that school didn't exist in my mind yeah, before they started dunking on everybody, right? Yeah. So university explodes. The coach gets a ton of money. Yeah. Look at the kids that played. Not one of them played an NBA minute. Yeah. Not one. And that's in my opinion. They yeah. made that school a lot of money. They made that coach a lot of money. Now the coach helped them, and I get it. And those kids played in Europe and all that. But disproportionate for what they did versus what they got back financially. Yeah, no doubt. If it's a business for everyone involved. Except the kids, it's yeah, yeah. So now it's, it's, it's going in a much better place. I'm enjoying it. Have you seen, you mentioned the, the, some of the negative talk on an NAL comes from young, young guys making money, yeah. which is one side of it. The other side is it being used in recruiting. Yeah. And, and the pay for play and things yeah. like that. Have you seen any of that? Have you yeah, had experiences with, yeah, with players exists, dealing with that? But why is it wrong? Yeah. That's my perspective. It's the market. Yeah. The market says that this five star deserves X, Y, and Z, and there's a university that's willing to, you know, have a or not the university, they're not paying, but the collective. Donors, yeah. yeah, the donors think that the kid's worth it. And also, let's let's not buy, be naive. This shit was happening. Yeah. Just under the <laughs> it was just under the table. Yeah. Like it was just a bag of money instead of a contract. It's better. It's cleaner. It's more of a marketplace. Yeah. This shit's been around forever. Yeah, kids were getting. Please. It's the reason the SEC is so good at NIL. They've been doing NIL for yeah. 50 they got years. the experience. <laughs> yeah, they know how to do it. They know how to do it exactly. Uh, where, where do you want Vayner Sports to be in ten years? Same place we're in now, representing great people. Um, I want us to be more profitable. I want our players to be <laughs> yeah. enjoying more. Great long careers. I want to be in more sports. We're in four mm -hmm. for now. We'll probably jump into a fifth sport in the next year or two. So I want to do what we've done across, you know, these four sports that we're in now and just scale it. I want to be in every sport. Yeah. I'm a passionate golfer. I can't wait to be in golf. I love basketball. Can't wait to be in basketball. I want to be in hockey, soccer. I want to be in all the sports and I want to be doing it the way we've been doing it. Do you have goals to grow? I mean, we talked about the growth of Vayner Media. Do you have, you have Goals to grow as big as CAA and some of those, some of the, the yeah. I'm not, I'm, I'm not measuring success based on headcount or client yeah. size. Um, I don't have those tangible goals. I, like I said, I honestly want to do what we're doing right now and just continue to scale it. I really like. We're not signing thousands of players. Like we have six guys ready for this NFL draft. We got three unbelievable and more guys in college baseball. But like, we got a bunch of the high pro like. We're signing a, a reasonable amount of clients at a reasonable pace mm -hmm. that are high character, high in talent, and um, I just really like the trend that we're on. Yeah. yeah. Would you be the GM if you bought the job? Probably. Yeah, yeah probably. That That's a, a ways away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think truth be told, like call it 20 years from now, yeah. he goes out and buys it, and I can help him. Because the cool thing is I think he'd be the first ever NFL owner and Gary, by the way, Gary knows coaches. Gary, Gary goes, people yeah. don't know this. Gary goes to the senior bowl. Gary goes to the combine. Like Gary loves this. This is a yeah. passion for him. And so what's really dope is I think 
honestly, he'd be the first owner that like really knows a ton of scouts and really knows yeah. a ton of coaches. And and I would I've shit me and our team, like we would really know. And the ability to go build a front office and a coaching staff based on decades of context and relationships, as mm-hmm. opposed to just coming in ice cold as a yeah. rich person and acquiring yeah, a team. For fun. Yeah. yeah and, and just relying on one or two people yeah. to build everything without your context. So yeah, I think we'd build the best front office and coaching staff yeah. ever at that point. Give me your strategy if you're a GM. What's your what's your what's your what's your what's your roster uh, roster building strategy? <laughs> One, I don't know if I want to reveal my secrets. Yeah, it's a good it's a competitive, point. I, I've, I have real thoughts this, this on this topic. This will come up in twenty in twenty years. Yeah, I have real <laughs> thoughts on the topic. Um, I'll leave it at this. I I think that our investment and the construction of our business of how we fund and operate a front office and a coaching staff would look very different. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll say this and I'll leave it very broad. I think most owners underinvest on management and overinvest on players. The amount of money you pay the, the number one pick in the draft that may or may not work out versus mm-hmm. what you pay your entire front office, all of your scouts, all of your coaches, your physical therapist. Yeah, I think it's a dramatic under. Yeah. I would rather trade my number one overall pick and the $40 million I was going to give guaranteed to that player, unless I need a quarterback because quarterback runs the yeah. show. But let's say uh, uh, this year, um, who has the number one pick? The Bears? Yeah. Right? And they got Fields. Mm-hmm. Assume they love Fields. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Assume they love Fields. You have the number one pick in the draft and you could take, you know, there's the Carter kid out of Georgia, Will Anderson. Mm-hmm. You can give that kid $40 million guaranteed. And by the way, I don't know. Those kids could be Hall of Famers. Yeah. I, if I owned a team in that situation, would rather trade that pick for future picks, yeah, and maybe a second or third. You know, you get a haul, yeah. F- you know, two future ones, a two, whatever, and then you just didn't spend the forty million dollars guaranteed. And I would invest all that sh- to um, doctors, physicians, yeah, additional scouts, coaches. Mm-hmm. Like, I just think there's a disproportionate investment on the thing that makes the players go. Yeah, it's a great point. I never thought of that. <laughs> it, it, it is a crazy disproportion. You know, it's not even, it's not even I don't think th- I don't think there's a single I don't think there's a single NFL team that spends that type of money on their GM, yeah. front office, coaching staff, physical therapists, research science, yeah, doctors, that's and that's one player. Yeah. What's going on with the Jets? Like why are they so bad right now? They're not bad. And I, listen, I, I, you know, I know I grew up a Jeff fan, but I have yeah. to be mindful of the fact that I'm now an agent. I rep a guy on the, we rep a couple, we rep DJ Reed. Yeah. I'm DJ's, we rep Zonovan Knight. Um, so I'm not going to comment on the Jets, but, you know, I've gotten to know Coach Sala. I've gotten to know Joe and a few, you know, Rex, Greg, a few other guys. I think they got the right people in place. Yeah. I think they just uh, need to make a few good decisions this offseason. They've got a good team. Yeah. They've, they obviously had a disappointing, you know, end of the year, but. Yeah. A lot of it was injury. By the way, and yeah. in, people don't talk enough about the injuries that team faced. Yeah. They lost like their best offensive lineman. They lost Brees Hall, who was going crazy mm-hmm. at the time. Like they lost some big pieces too. Do you, do you go to a lot of games still? Yeah, yeah here and there. Um, honestly, I'm not one of those agents that's at every game and this mm-hmm. and the other thing. I'm, I'm fortunate that I think all my clients understand that I've got three little kids. I'm trying yeah. to be a dad. I'm trying to be a good husband. Um, if it's super important, I'm there. I'm always yeah. there for my guys. And plus, games, I'd rather go see a client on a Tuesday during their off day and chill and really talk rather than, you know, you go to a game, 
guy plays, maybe gets banged up. They yeah. get their ass kicked. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah. that was a shit trip. Yeah. yeah, they don't want to hang out after. I like, <laughs> to see, I like to see, like, for example, my hack, like, this is me hacking being a dad that wants to be a dad. Mm-hmm. Um, I love seeing dudes at the team hotel the night before a game. Yeah, that's the time to get them. I'll yeah. go, you know, my kids are in bed. Mm-hmm. My wife understands. And I'll, you know, tuck the kids in around 7.30, 7.45, hop in the car, head over to Jersey City where most of the guys end up yeah. staying for a Jets or Giants game. And mm-hmm. they always have like an hour, hour and a half before curfew. And I'll catch guys from like 9 to 10 on a Saturday yeah. before I'll go to a game. You uh, have made some great investments on, you know, built VaynerMedia as we talked about. What's a business or an industry or something that excites you right now that not a lot of people are talking about? <sighs> Crypto, NFTs, and Web3. Yeah. I think, you know, um, gosh, I don't want to butcher it. Is it Warren Buffett? I'm going to butcher this. Disclaimer. <laughs> what is it? Be be fearful when others are greedy and yeah. be greedy when others are fearful, fearful, right? Yeah, I, think, I think it's perfect. I, I think right. that's the quote, right? <laughs> yeah. I love that. So right now, you know, ETH's at like 1600 a lot of NFTs are down 70 to 80%. Like grand, I remember it very well. Those were good times. Um, so I'm a big fan of that. I'm, a, I'm also a contrarian at heart. I love to zig when others zag. Like, yeah. So for me, I actually love the post-hype cycle. Mm-hmm. Like Everybody wanted to be into NFTs and ETH and all that a year ago, and now nobody's talking about it. Yeah. I think now's the time. This yeah. is a good spot. Yeah. I bought some NFTs earlier this week. I'm putting my money in. Best part is go check the blockchain. I'm putting my, I put a few thousand bucks into a couple of NFTs from an artist I like. I'm putting my money where my mouth is, and it's all yeah. publicly viewable. Do do people tail your NFT purchases a ton? Do you get a lot yeah. of people just following what you're, yeah. what you're doing? Yeah, yeah. My brother on steroids. Yeah, yeah. like to a, a ridiculous degree. <laughs> but got, yeah, especially during the bull run. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Do uh do a lot of athletes ask you about launching like? their own NFT projects? Because you saw it a lot for- uh, Yeah, I had a lot ask, and I would always tell them no. Yeah. You know, there was a few that came out really, like uh, Mahomes did one, Gronk did one, and they won because they were super early and and the hype cycle was crazy. Mm -hmm. But I would have these clients coming to me and I'd be like, listen, I don't think it's a good idea. I know on the surface it sounds great, but like this shit's real work. Yeah, you got to build a community. Yeah, you got to build a community. You got to do it right. You got to continue. Like this isn't like do it and then fall asleep. And don't care. Like that's gonna do reputational damage. You could get into lawsuits. There's lawsuits popping up around like fraud and and things yeah. of that nature for around like celebrities. And so, um, and then I, I also had to be honest with some of these guys. I'm like, hey, like you're not Patrick Mahomes. You're not a Super Bowl winning quarterback with millions of followers on Instagram. Like I'm just being very real with you. Yeah. Um. So I had a lot. I haven't had an athlete ask me about it in a long time. Yeah. But when it's popping, I had a, a bunch of clients asking. Yeah. And I had to play back cop. Yeah. It sucked, but it was a reality. Yeah. Guys don't want to hear that they can't sell out a 10,000-piece nope. NFT. Pro. And they're probably they don't want to hear it. Like 0.05 ETH times 10,000. <laughs> yeah, they don't want to hear it. But, yeah. um, And I had a few guys try it. Yeah. And they got to see what I was talking about, and that's yeah. fine. I've heard uh, your brother talk about your dad a ton and, mm-hmm. and, and the liquor store and growing up and all that. I haven't heard you talk about it a ton. So I, I'm curious to hear, and I know you don't do as, many, as much public speaking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, does, I, and I, even I, then, I don't. your perspective on Well, it. I had a very different experience. Yeah, I'm a, you're much younger, right? I'm, much, yeah. I'm 11 years younger than Gary. Yeah. And uh, my parents um, immigrated from the former Soviet Union when my brother was three. I was mm-hmm. born here. And so, you know, part of the dynamic was that he grew up in a very traditional cliche immigrant household where yeah. the firstborn 
needs to work mm-hmm. right away. Um, so that was his experience. And then because, you know, my dad, you know, started that business, Gary was the oldest firstborn, like he, he grew into being my dad's partner with that mm-hmm. business. And so when I was growing up and I'll, you know, call it, I'm like 12, 13, 14, 15, et cetera. I look at that. I'm like, there's not enough room for the two of them, let alone the three of us. Like yeah. that is not where my future is. So I never once, and no disrespect to my dad and my dad knows this. I never once thought about like <laughs> when I was done with college, I was going to work with him <laughs> at the store. Yeah. Cause those two are two big alpha personalities. Yeah. It's like, imagine having two head coaches. <laughs> now imagine having three. Like, no, nah, it ain't going to work. So, but, um, you know, work ethic is a very important core value in my family. It was a very important to my mom and dad. And so I did work at the liquor store, but it was, um, it was a different experience because I never had the, the belief or the thought that I would evolve into anything more than just using it as a thing to build my work ethic. So I would... You know, the other interesting dynamic was um, I grew up in a town in New Jersey um, and my family's Jewish and we were like the only Jewish family in that area. Mm -hmm. So like Christmas Eve, when all my friends were busy doing Christmas Eve things, I was like, fuck it, I'll just go work at the store. It was crazy dumb busy. Christmas Eve is a big day at Wine Library. And I was like, I'll just go work at the store. I'll help people bring their wine to their Mm -hmm. truck. They'll give me a dollar. Like I'll go just make (laughs) some money and just get some work in. So... Um, yeah, when I worked at Wine Library, I was just like a stock boy. I was dusting bottles. Like, it was just stuff to give me a work ethic. Yeah. If you had, I want to ask, you know, for people watching, whether they're young athletes, whether it's aspiring agents, what's, you talked about the, the perspective advice that your brother's given you. What's, yeah. some, what's a piece of advice that you would give someone who, you've been, you're a young guy, have had tons of success. Yeah. Uh, built multiple businesses. What's a piece of advice you'd give someone, whether they're an athlete, whether they're you know an aspiring business yeah. person that's young, <clears throat> early twenties, in college, somewhere around there that, that yeah. just wants to make it? Like what 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 have you learned? What's the piece of advice you give them? Yeah, I think um, it all centers around patience, which is a big term my brother uses too. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm gonna have a hard time coming up with too many original thoughts because my brother brainwashed me. <laughs> you know, so I'm 11 much, years yeah. younger, right? So <laughs> a lot of what you're hearing from me comes from him, frankly. Yeah. Um, but patience um, and, and perspective and put aside your ego. Um, you know, one, one thing I really like and I talk a lot about with guys when they just think about business and opportunities and it's something that I did is like, would you rather have 100% of something small or 10% of something massive, right? Yeah. Like, you know, and, and it's just perspective and things of that nature. And so a lot of time guys are just like, they're in a rush. Guys and gals are in a rush. Um, they try to take shortcuts. I would really advise against shortcuts that can just create a bad reputation for you and things of that nature. So patience, perspective, align yourself with smart people. I was very, very lucky. The funniest question I get by far is how do you find a co-founder? I'm like, you're asking me? Like (laughs) I was born into one. Like I I don't have an answer for that. I got lucky. Like I had an older brother that was like, that's a bad question for me. That's not something I can help you with. Um, but you didn't yeah. choose a co-founder. No, I got yeah. so lucky, man. That's my brother, my best friend, yeah. my mentor, my business partner. So, um, you know, uh, a good one with NIL that's been fun, uh, specifically around our, our like college quarterbacks mm-hmm. uh, in the patience regard is, you know, a lot of these deals, whether it's like the trading card companies or apparel companies, we got a lot of good young quarterbacks, guys like Tyler Buckner at Notre Dame, mm-hmm. Kyle McCord at Ohio State, who's backing up CJ the last two years. 
um, Nick Evers, who started off at Oklahoma, he's now yeah. at Wisconsin. And, you know, these trading card companies are coming in and offering them a few bucks a signature. Mm -hmm. And and the kids want it. They're like, dude, like, I can make how much money just by signing my name a couple thousand yeah. times? And I'm like, we got to chill on that. Because what they're doing is they're speculating. They're making yeah. a bet. They want to give you four, five, six, seven dollars an autograph on the idea that if you turn out to be a dude, yes. they're saving a fortune. Because when you're a dude, you can command three, four times that. And so just helping these guys and their families, because their families don't know. Yeah. Be like, hey, like, let's let's sit on that because soon it's going to be a lot better. And so just yeah. get, you know, patience. And I'm like, you've been broke for 20 years. You can be broke for six more months. <laughs> yeah, right. Those trading card deals too, man. They, yeah. They got to sit there and like sign 10,000 10, And by the way, the first 10,000 signatures, they're about it. Man, yeah. sign my name. <laughs> they're Every time all I say my name, five bucks, five yeah. bucks, 10 bucks, 15 for bucks, sure. let's go. Yeah. But then they realize, oh, my hands are getting kind of annoying. <laughs> oh, I got to do this by when. And yeah. I love it. Yeah. Um, What's something that surprised you recently? What is something that surprised me it's recently? Always makes people think. I love this question. It's a great question. <laughs> what has surprised me recently? I don't want to come off like an arrogant prick. <laughs> I don't get surprised easily. Um, what has surprised me? Damn. I'll say this. Um, I've been surprised with how fast NIL has evolved. Mm -hmm. NIL 18 months ago, you can't even recognize it today. Yeah. So I, I knew it was going to evolve, but I feel like we're on our third iteration of NIL and we're 18 months in. Yeah. So I'm impressed, but it makes sense. But yeah, that's a little bit surprising to me. You know, you think about NIL and college sports. I, I was talking today to someone at Radio Row like, College football has changed more in the last two years than it changed exactly. in a hundred years. Exactly. You know, with every factor. I mean, it, it, it conference realignment. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like just, Texas and yeah. Um, what other school? Texas and who is leaving? Yeah, Oklahoma. Yeah. They're leaving. USC, and UCLA. USC and UCLA. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, the the rapid pace at which college football, in particular, and college sports in general, has evolved yeah. the last yeah. eighteen months has surprised me. The last thing I got for you, I like to kind of end with this question: yeah. is you know, what's your why? You know, why, what's the reason that, you know, you work hard, you want to build businesses, you want to be successful? What's, what, what's, the, what's the thing that drives you? So it's a great question. And what's cool for me that I don't know if too many people get to have this type of experience, um, my why has really changed. Mm -hmm. uh, and I don't think people have that happen as much. Yeah. Um, maybe when you have kids, which is actually not how my why changed, mm -hmm. which sounds terrible, but it's not how my why changed. Um, <laughs> A lot of times you see it when people have like near death experiences or something, mm -hmm. right? And so for me, like, I'll be honest, when I was in my like early 20s, I was a very selfish, very uh, laser focused on just like, I want to make all the money. Mm -hmm. That was my, me in my 20s. I was, I call it from like 22 to 27. I was just like, let's, I just want to make all the fucking money. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, you know, fortunately for me, we did really well, right? We built the agency yeah. from scratch to hundreds of employees and tens of millions in revenue. And then my health deteriorated. Mm -hmm. And I was diagnosed when I was 19. So it wasn't as if I was unaware of my disease in my 20s, but it really deteriorated on me because of the stress of the business. And I had my intestinal surgery and it was just like very, very tough. Yeah. Um, and I struggled a lot mentally. I, I went through therapy, which was the best thing I could have done. And it really helped me get through a very dark time in my life. 
where like everything looked great on the outside, but shit was bad. Yeah. I before my surgery, I went to the ER four times in twelve months due to, to just issues with my yeah. intestines. And so um I think that after I had my stomach surgery and I came to the realization that I wanted to leave the ad agency, my why changed. So my why, you know, in my twenties was get all the money so that I can buy a big house and do this and do that and yeah. fly private and all that stuff, which is so stupid and materialistic, <laughs> but it was my why. And then when I decided to leave the ad agency and I left an enormous, enormous amount of money on the table, my why shifted. And now my why is I want to be fulfilled in my life personally and professionally. Mm-hmm. I never want you know money or, or business to cloud being a good husband, being a good father, being a good brother, being a good son. Um, and I want to just enjoy life. Like I don't want the things that I did to myself mentally to get the output financially I was looking for in my 20s. I got, my body gave me a very clear answer that that was not the right answer. And so I'm looking for a really balanced lifestyle. Um, the The sports agency has been perfect in the sense that like, I work. It's very different, especially with kids. Like my, my schedule is very unique, but I love that about being a sports agent, about being an entrepreneur versus being in a nine to five. Like my typical, first of all, my typical week never looks like my Monday through Friday never looks the same. Um, what I mostly do is Monday, Monday and Friday, I'll get up real early and I'll be at my desk at like 730 mm-hmm. in the morning. And I'll work till about five, get home, dinner, play, bath, kids, stuff from five to 7.30. Mm-hmm. And then if there's something that is a loose end, maybe I'll take a call at 7.30 and I'll be done by yeah. eight usually. A couple emails, call, whatever, I'm done at eight. Hang with my wife, play video games with my friends online, whatever. That's usually Monday and Friday. Tuesday, um, I usually hang out in the morning with my kids. I usually take my son to preschool. And so that I don't really start my work day until nine. I then work from nine to three. I then pick my daughter up from school and hang out with my kids from like three to five. And then I work from five to eight. Okay. Um, and sometimes like this past Tuesday, um, I work till like 9.30, whatever mm-hmm. it takes, right? And then that's what I do on Tuesdays and Thursday and then Wednesday. And then, you know, there's certain things that change things up, whether it's, you know, yeah, being at Super Bowl yeah. or going to Senior Bowl or Combine yeah. or I'm going to the Knicks game on Monday. So like that adapts, but like, what, what I love and what I strive for is what I think I have now, which is that ability to like still be a beast. Mm-hmm. But like I made gingerbread houses with my daughter at kindergarten, but I was, I, I guess I strive to not be rigid and not yeah. to conform to like societal norms of a nine to five is what you're supposed to do. Yeah, still hard work, but you get yeah. to dictate it. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. I work hard as hell, but I dictate it. Mm-hmm. I'm doing something that I'm passionate about, that I'm interested in, and it affords me the opportunity to spend time with my kids and have cool experiences. Yeah. That's what it's about for me. I love it, man. Well, I appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, man. Thank you for having me, man. Super Bowl week. It's yeah, man. It's been fun getting to know you. It's been you. great, brother. Yeah, glad to call you a friend, man. Yeah, Excited man. to see what you build, Vayner Sports. I appreciate that, brother. Yeah. Appreciate it, man. Uh-